Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Welcome everyone to MMA Weekly with Austin and Chef Dan. I am Austin. It's my co-host, Chef Dan. How are you doing today, Chef Dan? Salute. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. We are back as usual to break down this interesting weekend of mixed martial arts. I'm here for it. Thank you guys so much for joining us, whether that be on our podcast platforms on Google, Apple, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Thank you guys so much for joining us or whether you're joining us on YouTube or Facebook. We are here. Let's go. Right. And before we go, I just want to uh, say something real quick. Today is July 11th and for and, and July 11th is a special day. And here's why for audio and, and, and video. Watch <laughs> Happy birthday, Chef Dan. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you so much, man. It, it Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I, yeah, happy birthday, Chef, Chef Dan. Definitely. Today's his birthday, and I'm going to get a little special, you know, wishing happy birthday. And 
appreciate appreciate the love and support as um as jc cruz says happy birthday to you as well chef dan thank you so much jc cruz thank you man thank you right and um <laughs> now let's get let's get started um yes, well, yeah um, let's get right into it yeah I wanna, saturday, I wanna, yeah saturday we had a ufc event live from the ufc apex in vegas there's a main event in the lightweight division in the battle of the rafaels between rafael los angeles and rafael Vizev. And this fight, Rafael Vizdev wins this fight in the fifth round via knockout. 18 seconds of the fifth round. At first, I thought it was a bad stoppage, but watching the replay, especially at a certain angle, there's, there's, they finally show the, the best angle, which was like when you see RDA where the ref's not blocking the um, view. RDA was out. Vizdev followed through with a perfect follow through shot, landed perfectly, and that's what put out RDA. He got dropped, but it was that follow through shot that Vizdev landed that knocked out RDA. And so it was a good stoppage from Mark Smith, the referee. I believe it was Mark Smith, if I'm mistaken. Yeah. Okay, Mark Smith got, yeah, great, good stoppage for Mark Smith. And as Fiziev wins the biggest fight of his career against a former world champion, RDA, a guy who was ranked in the top 10. As Fiziev moves up in the top 10, and Fiziev was fought a pretty good fight. As Fiziev, there's a picture of Fiziev after fight celebrating with the. I'm gonna butcher the country's name, Alger Jaban. I know it's in like Central Asia, like south of Dagestan, Russia, west of like Armenia. I'm not, I forget the name Give of it. Give me one moment. <laughs> it's in Central Asia, I, I know. Go ahead. Azure, wait. Azure, wait, never mind. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. Respect to, to Fizzy. Respect to Raphael Fizzev. That was a great fight. I'm not gonna butcher it. Keep going, Austin. Right. had a good had a good fight. Fought well. He was he was winning three one or arguably two two going to the third round. I mean fifth round, excuse me. As Fizzyev was did well against some of the takedowns. I mean Fiz, they mentioned Fizzyev has the second best takedown defense in the UFC currently, behind Kamara Usman, and he definitely showcased it. To stuff a lot of takedowns RDA through, although RDA was able to get him down the fourth round with impressive, like some, it was kind of like a slam, but it wasn't like he they would lift up Fiziev on his shoulders and like drop him, which was a very cool spot considering RDA for a while was not having any success with takedowns, etc. But Fiziev looked to be like the more the better fighter in the standup, although RDA has moments, but he was tagging RDA, especially counter punching and during some shots in the clinch where it'd be some knees, some elbows to um, frustrate RDA. And he was in, he was winning there, doing well to takedowns. So and then led to the fifth round after uh, he lost the fourth round. Cause I think that's the round that everyone agrees RDA won. Although second round making arguments, but but it, is, it doesn't matter cause Fiziev got the knockout at the end of the day. What nice left that dropped RDA. And then right then the right follow through as RDA was on the ground to knock him out. And Great win for Fiziev, the most important win of his career. He's won five in a row. He's in the top 10. He will be, well, I think he was in the top 10 already, but he's going to move up in the top 10 tomorrow at the rankings come out. But great victory for Rafael Fiziev. What are your thoughts on this fight, Chef Dan? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's possibly going to move up to number seven, be right behind Benil Dariush. Um, you're absolutely right. This was a very fun fight in my eyes. I enjoyed this fight. From start to finish, uh, Rafael Fizev uh, 
I'm just calling them Fizzy because they're both Raphaels. Fizzy and RDA. All right. Fizzy was vicious, man. There was even a point, I believe, in the first round where he kicked uh, RDA and RDA tried to block it with his hand, but the kick was so sharp, it kind of just left RDA's arm bleeding all throughout the night. So RDA was dealing with his arm just bleeding, like just gushing out blood all down his arm throughout the entire night. And like literally after that one round, you could hear RDA's corner telling him like, hey, we're not blocking any more of those kicks. You're just moving out of the way. So that just goes to show the destructive power that uh, Fizzy had with those kicks. The stand-up was really, really fun to watch. Um, Fizzy was winning most of those exchanges, like you said, but RDA had his moments. I think what really helped RDA was the fact that he could mix in the grappling with the uh, striking. He just, you know, if he could do it a bit more consistently, like Bisping was pointing out throughout the commentary, then it would have helped him out a lot because the round that he won in the fourth round, clearly... The, the second round maybe could be debatable, but that fourth round that he won clearly was when he was able to mix in the martial arts. Uh, Fizzy, his striking was on point. He was throwing uh, uh, the knees up, like you said. The kicking was really on point. The, 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 the leg strikes, kicking up top, the mid, uh, the kicking in the uh, midsection was very on point. Um, if there's anything that I want to say aside from just you know, it the knockout, the knockout takes away from what I'm about to say, but I think it still rings true. Two things can be true. I think Raphael, uh, I think uh, Raphael Fizev needs to learn ways to incorporate grappling into his uh, uh, into his striking, because when he was in the clinch, he wasn't providing a lot of offense. To, uh, to RDA He wasn't providing a lot of offense in The moments that he owned the clinch And that he had RDA up against the cage Versus RDA He you know provided a little bit More offense in the clinch But it wasn't enough And those moments in the clinch I felt could have helped him out because I think what led to him losing That fourth round was Number one RDA got on him But number two he was tired he was tired in that fourth round. And I think what could have helped him out was using those moments in the clinch to get your breath back, but also land some damaging shots. And even if you're not, even if it's not all too damaging, point-wise, it's helping out with the judges just in case it goes past that fifth round and it goes into the judges' hands. Because at the end of the day, if he didn't land that powerful shot, the fight could have extended into the judges' hands. But all in all, Fizev with a great performance and a great call out of Rafael Nadal. He now wants to be the best Rafael in all sports. I'm for it, man. Salute to Fizzy. I agree. Uh, I like that call out. It was out of nowhere and I, I enjoyed it. It's Rafa, at first, like Rafael Nadal. Like, oh, yeah, it's right, a tennis player. And I was like, oh, he wants to be the best Rafael in sports. I, I like that. I'm trying, I feel like I'm trying. Yes, he's probably the most famous Raphael in sports currently. I don't, I don't think another one. I can't think of another one at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nadal, great tennis I mean, player. Nadal, I like no, Nadal, Nadal would have to be more famous because he's a single tennis player, and, and I believe he's more famous than uh, uh, Fizev. But other than that, no, I don't think there's another Raphael that's famous. 
in sports, yeah, like I said, yeah. Riddell's has success in tennis court. But um, yeah, I like that call out. And and one thing about Fizzab, he likes he has these like very like funny call out, like Troy's call outs. He called out Hasbula. I think his last fight when he knocked out Brad Rydell, he called out Vince Vaughn, the actor. I think so. Mistaken. Yeah. So that's it, like he kind of has like a Troy's personality. Like so, it's just be funny random call outs, and, and I like that about him. But he did wait. There was an MMA fight. He did call out. That was Justin Gaethje. He called him out. He said he wants that fight. He said he feels like it's a good fight, and uh, you know he wants Gaethje to finish top five ranking, basically. Prove he's still top five fighter. And I think that's a good matchup for both fighters, including Gaethje, because Vizev, you know, likes to stand a lot. Doesn't exactly go for a lot of takedowns. And that's Justin Gaethje. Both guys can finish their opponents. I mean, Fizzell, we still have RDA. And also, that Brad Rydell fight, we landed that spinning wheel kick that knocked out Brad Rydell, who's a pretty damn good striker himself. So we know Fizzell can strike. And Gaethje, we all know about his power and stand-up. I mean, Gaethje's got dynamite in both hands. I think it's a good matchup for both of them. That's a fight I'd like to see next. I think it makes sense. If you're Gaethje, be the rising contender. You prove a top five contender. You can probably fight... You know, you, you're definitely right there in top attention. If you're Fizzaf, be Justin Gaethje, you're in the top five. You're right there in the top picture in this competitive lightweight division. Could be, man. I'd, I'd be interested in that matchup. I just know one thing for sure is that that'd be striking galore, and I'm up for that. Yep, so am I. Great fight. And and for RDA, you know, like R, for RDA, I thought, I don't know why, at first I thought he was going to retire because he was taking his gloves off, but he wasn't, and based on the post-fight interview, he's not, so that's a good thing, and like I said, RDA's proved he's still a pretty good fighter, still elite fighter, despite being 37 and being top in the lightweight division, and welterweight division briefly for a long time, still got a lot left in him, just to see what he does next. I'm interested too, because he can, uh... He can stick around in this lightweight division. He can still be a, a competitor. You just got caught by Fizev, but I think if anything, man, he's gonna rewatch that tape and know that there were moments that he could have capitalized on uh, Fizev because as good as Fizev was in the striking department, this was his first five round match, and that fourth round showed a whole lot of weakness. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Rafael dos Anjos does next as well. I'm excited for both of these Rafaels. Same and give I want to give Fizzev credit because I just remember now, Rafael Fizzev is the second fighter to knock out RDA, like knock him out because Jeremy Stevens did in RDA's debut back in 2008, UFC 91, which that's a long time ago, and Fizzev's like the third fighter to finish RDA because Eddie Alvarez did finish RDA to take the title from RDA, but that was TKO at their barrage of shots. So Fizzab becomes the third fighter to stop RDA and second fighter to knock him out. So that's something impressive as well. We'll get Fizzy, as you call him, you know, his credit for doing something not many guys can do. Or have done, rather, excuse me. Oh, yeah. And guess but, we can uh, we can, go, go ahead. Yeah, we can move on from that fight over to the next fight, the uh, main, uh, excuse me, the co-main event. This was, I believe this was in the... Uh, Built weight division. Welch middleweight division Kyle Barajo versus Armin Petrosian Kyle Barajo wins this one via unanimous decision and um yeah he deservedly so won this fight I there's not a lot for me to analyze with this fight uh uh Kyle knew that Armin Petrosian was a better striker than him so what he did was mix it up just enough to get it down on the ground then after that 
he just kept control on the ground while trying to get some uh, submission set up and throwing some shots here and there. Armin Petrosian was able to defend it a bit later on, but at the end of the day, Cabral was able to get him down once again and got a lot of takedowns on Armin Petrosian and just dominated on the ground. It wasn't, it's not a lot for me to analyze on this fight. I just thought Cabarajo knew what to do. He said he's out of a camp calling himself the fighting nerds because they're all nerds about fighting and they're trying to get their payback on the bullies and they're analyzing the game. It was a smart maneuver to do. I, it was a chess match at this point for, for Kyle Barajo. Uh, once he entered the ring, it was a chess match and he just came out, you know, with a sound checkmate. Yeah, um, I basically agree with basically everything you said. I mean, it's not a lot I can add to it. I mean, Kyle Barajo was the better grappler and showcased that and was had a lot of position control and table control and then some shots on Armin Petrosian because Petrosian was the better striker of the two. And Petrosian did better in the third round, like especially later on in the third round, so just stubbing some of those takedowns and doing doing some stuff, but it was, wasn't enough. I mean, Cal Barajo clearly won the fight and dominated the fight. Kind of like an Aljamain Sterling performance. You know, Aljamain likes to go for people's back and just take their back and just control the fights there. Kind of kind of like that. Or maybe like, um, uh, when I see Cal Barajo, kind of reminds me of a taller Oliveira. Like Charles Oliveira, but just taller. The blonde hair, the lanky, like, you know, they're both Brazilian. And by the way, Cal Barajo is no way he's 5'10". He's at least 6'1", 6'2". He looks way taller than that. That's just, just based on looking at him. You know, he's got the grappling Oliveira. You know, that's that's what I think watching Cal Barajo. He kind of reminds me of a taller, you know, Oliveira, basically. Oliveira was bigger. Yeah. I mean, they both, I, I told you this off the air, they both look very similar. And not only that, after his win, they panned right to uh, Oliveira, who was in the crowd uh, celebrating uh, Kyle's victory. And you can just see the resemblance right there, especially when they both wear glasses. They, uh, yeah, they just look very similar. So uh, They do. Yeah, I just want to say congratulations to Kyle Barajo. Back-to-back co-main event victories. And he's looking to just continue to move up in the UFC. And I enjoy that for him. And, you know, he last time I didn't know why he was in the co-main event. He proved it. And this time he just, you know, showed a dominant performance where he didn't take too much damage. He stayed uh, composed and did what was needed to did the job that needed to get done. So salute to him. Yep. And we can move on to the third fight. In the, no, fourth fight in the car, third fight down. Third. Yeah, which is in the in the yeah, bandweight division. Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Douglas Silva de Andrade. As Saeed Nurmagomedov wins this fight, unanimous decision, 30-27-29-28. I agree with twenty nine twenty eight jet scorecard. I mean, the right guy won, but to me, Douglas Silva de Andrade won a second round, and he he did drop on um, Saeed with like a I think it was a yeah it was a, it was a shot to the face to the head that dropped him in the second round briefly. And Douglas, Douglas did a lot, did more in that second round of win. But overall, this was Saeed's fight. Saeed did a good job with his, with his distance, especially the kicks. He threw a lot of kicks, like Taekwondo style. And a good amount of them did land on Douglas. Didn't hurt it, didn't like rock him too bad, but still was able to keep Douglas at bay and they landed. And that's the one thing that really impressed me was the kicks. It, it was very Taekwondo esque, and he landed a lot of them too body kicks, head kicks, etc. Uses uses the fact that he was a taller fighter against Douglas against him, and 
this and Douglas still he hang in there and just was a tough guy. I mean, there's there's a picture of like Saeed landing a jab at at Douglas as Douglas' face is all busted up there. And Douglas got a lot of power too. He has 20, 20 of his twenty knock victories are by knockout in TKL, so we know he's a little powerful powerful um fighter. I mean he's kinda like um Jessica Andrade, they say a similar last name. Both small, stocky, but they got power in their hands. And Saeed for him to do you know, be able to neutralize the power and not let it affect him except for one moment in the second round. Showcase how skilled Saeed is. He didn't grapple like you expected Nagamayov to do, but still he won his stand up was really on point for most of this fight and he won. It was a great victory for Saeed. He wins three in a row now and proves record to at least sixteen and two now. And oh I forgot there's something else I want to mention. No, I forget, but sorry about that. Go ahead, go ahead, Chef Dan. No, I agree with you hundred percent. It was a great matchup for Saeed against uh Douglas De Silva de Andrade, but me personally, I, I think the one thing I came away with watching this fight was that, I, I don't know, like the right guy won, but I felt like Saeed definitely needs to work on his striking. It felt like it was a almost a perfect matchup for him. You have the short guy in Douglas uh, uh, who needs to get inside with Saeed versus Saeed who loves kicking. Kicking is the one, you know, when you have a style like that where, you know, you're a kick-heavy style, distance is going to be your friend. So... Douglas either had to gamble and uh, run in or he had to, you know, just stay at, at bay and get chopped up, which those were his only two uh, options that he had to choose. Um, when he chose to rush in, the thing that kind of made me say that Saeed needs to work on his striking, how many spinning attacks did Saeed do? Several. I forget. It was to a point where it was unnecessary, and the one time he did get caught, he, the one time he got caught in the second round was when he was doing a spinning attack. He got caught another time where he stumbled and stayed upright, but Douglas was timing the spinning attacks as well. So that made me say, like, this guy definitely needs to work on the striking because he's too comfortable with the kicking, and when someone gets in close, he thinks that, you know, if he lands a spinning attack, which it's true, you land a spinning attack with the velocity, you're, you're prone to knock your opponent out. But it works just as well if you can time it correctly and just extend your arm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you land a spinning attack closely, you could definitely drop an opponent, maybe knock him out. I mean, we saw with Marlon McCann and John Wayne Lee in their fights, you know, this year, just for example, but also... Spinning attacks can go wrong. We've seen plenty of fights where if you keep throwing them, someone can time it. If someone times it perfectly, you can get dropped or knocked out yourself. And that's a good point there, um, Dan. Definitely to work on the fundamentals of striking. As a, you know, especially you know his hands. Doesn't, doesn't have to always throw spinning attacks or fancy stuff. So you don't want to become like a Michelle Bahia. I used to be. You know, Michelle Bahia was known for doing fancy stuff, but it, it cost him the fights. But now he's toned it down. Now he's won five in rounds in the rankings. If Saeed can do that, I mean, Saeed can get in the rankings himself. Considering he's not, he's very close to the rankings himself. I mean, he needs one more victory, and he might get ranked in the bandweight division. Although the bandweight division is pretty damn stacked right now, just like the lightweights. Oh yeah. So uh, it was all in all for me. Um, it was a good victory for Saeed, but 
it didn't make me oh it didn't let me it make me walk away you know with that same feeling he gave me last time i saw him where it's like yo this guy is just dominant it you know you walk away the second time and i kind of watched it going i think there's some guys in the ranking especially that division as stacked as it is that watched this tape and said there's a lot more holes and there's a lot more you know there's something i could work with here where i could stop the moment if he gets hot enough and I and he keeps doing these bad habits. I could stop the momentum cold, and I could help myself, you know, and boost my career and my ranking. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, and this performance, I also I didn't realize this till afterwards that this that Silva De Drach had fought Perion back in the day in 2018, and I guess it's, uh, this performance kind of makes me like respect Perion more. Considering Perion made him quit on the stool. Which I mean, Saeed hurt so just Douglas, but Douglas kept going forward. So it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like one of those forms you realize just how damn good Pierre Yon is, and also like you said, with Saeed, you got you know, maybe work on, fun, you know, not doing so much spin stuff, work on the striking, so that way you don't get caught, you don't become predictable, especially if you want to become a champion. But yeah, great points you made there, um, Dan, about Saeed. Yeah, um, but we can move on from that fight to the next fight on the card. This was the third fight on the card, four fight we're discussing. In the heavyweight division, Chase Sherman versus Jared Vandera. Chase Sherman wins this fight via TKO in the third round. Um, This fight, it was entertaining to me as far as in the heavyweights. It was sloppy. I, I don't expect... Crisp uh, uh, heavyweight. I don't expect crisp striking when I watch the heavyweights, unless you're in the top echelon. You see a guy like uh, Cyril Gan or Tom Aspinall, some of these guys, Stephen Miocic, those guys in the top heavyweight. They have crisp striking, so you can see those, uh, you know, that type of skill set. But Chase Sherman, he kind of knew that he was the better striker against Jared Vandera, even though Vandera had the length on him, and Chase Sherman was able to get inside pop 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 get back out it was dancing around vandera a lot vandera landed some moments but overall i thought uh chase sherman he was able to win the uh first round convincingly with a lot of just dancing around and landing a lot on jared vandera the second round vandera seemed to figure out his uh moment his momentum and he landed on chase chase was i got to me chase got a little flat-footed and got comfortable and that's where vandera started to get his off and vandera also got comfortable started talking to chase in the middle of the fight too both of them were having fun as they were landing on each other smiling as they were like hey all right you got one that's a good one i'm gonna get mine back and that kind of uh continued to be the theme for the second round so i thought jared vandera won the second round to me third round chase it was a bit of a back and forth and then chase started to gain his way throughout the third round and then he just landed punches and bunches, punches and bunches, punches and bunches. And that's how he got the TKO there, just weaving uh, Jared Vandera and landing some punches and bunches. And he was able to slump him a- along the cage. Referee came in, stopped it. And that was the fight right there. But to me, um, this was entertaining in the sense that I wasn't expecting too much from either of these guys. Both of these guys were coming off of a streak of losses. So they had to get back. We both previewed that this would be a gritty fight and um it wasn't gritty in the sense of dirty but it was gritty in the sense of both of these guys knew that they had to stay in the pocket so 
I, I enjoyed it for what it was. What, what about you? I agree. It was entertaining. It was back and forth. It was sloppy, but it was still entertaining. Both guys had landed hard shots at each other, and I agree in terms of Sherman winning the first round and Van De and Vanderbilt won the second round. And then, then like I said, punching the punches for Sherman, especially after Sherman was got hit a couple times in that third round before laying the shot that hurt Vanderbilt led to the finish. Good, you know, this was a very entertaining fight. And both, you know, both guys need to win. So for Shea Sherman, it's a good. He must. Be, he, he could tell he was relieved to finally win. As he had mentioned, he feel like he hasn't he hasn't done, lived up to his contract or done what he wanted to do UFC. As he mentioned the post fight interview, which is kind of true. And for him, hopefully for him, he could turn and start uses as momentum, to start going on a win streak, and 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 to the point where he feels like he's doing what he's supposed to do in the UFC. But one thing about this fight that kind of bothered me is that. Jay Vendera, his last fight for Olenek, and we all know Olenek is known for his submissions. He's got 59 submission victories, no, 59, 60 victories and like 40 plus submission victories. I forget, it's, it's a ridiculous amount. And Jared decided to grapple with him, one of the best grapplers in, in the heavyweight division, and got submitted by Olenek. And yeah, in this fight, where Sherman's not the greatest grappler, and known as, for, as a striker, decides to stand and trade with him instead of go, taking him to the ground and trying to go for a, a submission like Alex Romanoff did in Sherman's last fight. I don't get that at all. Why? why? That doesn't make sense. You do you, go, you grab a Olenek, but yeah, it's Sherman, you don't do it. You play his game, you end up losing. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense. Uh, we shall see if the UFC uh, keeps him around then and hopefully he can get things right. Maybe he needs to uh, change training camps to see that, you know, just someone with a different eye needs to see what he should be doing in the uh, octagon there. But, yeah, I agree with you that if you at Olenek, you're not supposed to grapple with and chase. I mean, you had the uh, reach advantage, but at the very least, he had opportunities, especially in that second round, to mix it up, and he didn't. Yeah, I just that that doesn't make that's bad fight IQ uh, to me. I know I'm not fired, but still, it's like if I can understand this, I'm pretty sure he can as well. So he's a fighter, but I don't get that at all. That's just that's puzzling when you think about it. It's like grapple Olenek, but yet wrestle yet and yet but yet stand with Sherman. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't make sense. But good victory for Shea Sherman gets a bounce back victory. Finally breaks his losing streak and. Like I said, hopefully for his sake, he started using his momentum to get on a win streak. We shall see. As Sherman got the performance bonus, correct? That you said. Yes. Uh, Sherman got a performance bonus, and Fizev got a performance bonus as well. So, salute to those guys. Yeah, both of them deserved it in this card, definitely. As we transition to the second fight in the card, and the fifth fight we're talking about, between Amen Zabi, Zabi. Faraz Zabi's younger brother. For those who don't know, Faraz Zabi is the trainer at Tristars MMA. The, the gym of George St. Pierre, Rory McDonald, and other great, great fighters, too. It's one, it's one of the better gyms in MMA, especially the last like, 15 years. It's an elite gym at Tristar. The younger brother of Faraz Zabi, as he defeats um, Ricky uh, Tercio, 29 28 on all three judges' scorecards. Amen uh, Zabi just looked like. He stuck to the fundamentals and one because of, he was more fundamentally sound. Ricky Tercio, I don't know what he was trying to do in this fight. 
he did a lot of foot stomps and like weird movement stuff that I was like, I don't understand. Are you trying to bait Zabi or what? And Zabi just stuck to the fundamentals and just did what he's supposed to do. Land the shots he needs to. Didn't, didn't do anything too risky. I could put him in real danger, but was still landing and do and etc. And he was able to pull up the victory. And this was oh yeah, I'm gonna show a picture of the fights as he sees uh, Zabi landing looks like a front kick on Ricky Tercio. And I'm surprised partially Tercio. Blocked, but okay, it's partially blocked. Nah, the, the picture shows partially blocked, but it still lands with uh, it makes the contact. Go ahead. Yeah, and Ricky Tercio trains out Alpha Male, Team Alpha Male, your right favor. And, the, and another gym, I forget too, but I know he's trained at Team Alpha Male, which is a really good gym, especially for lighter guys. And I don't know why he fought that way. I just don't, I didn't get it. Didn't have a great performance, really bad performance. And kind of let that slip, let Zabi get the victory from him, in my opinion. Like I guess I don't know what he was doing. I mean... Uh, oh, you, you can tell me what you thought he was trying to do, Chef Dan, because I'm confused. No, nah, I, I, I mean, I'm not Ricky Tercio, so I really can't tell you what he was trying to do, man. Ricky Tercio is a unique individual, but um, yeah, as uh, as good as tape as a Amen Zahabi put is as bad as tape as Ricky Tercio's put. And the reason I say a statement like that, it feels like it's a nothing statement. Is it feels like this was a nothing fight, like. Not to take away from him as a hobby, but Ricky Tercios is just so bad out there that, like, how does that propel Eamon's a hobby? I mean, yeah, you beat Ricky Tercios, but if everyone, anyone watches the tape and sees, like, Ricky Tercios was terrible this fight. It didn't make any sense what he was doing. Like, Zahabi is clearly staying on the outside and looking for a counter. As to why Ricky doesn't try cutting off the octagon, doing some leg kicks, and then trying to make the fight dirty. If you're getting in and he's tagging you anyways, at that point, enter the clinch. Do a lot of body strikes. Try and slow him down because this is going to be a three-round fight. Slow him down. That way you get your opportunity in the third round. That wasn't what he tried to do. He tried to go about it in a different way that was just... Looked terrible. It was a terrible fight. I was not entertained by this. The right guy won the fight, but this wasn't an entertaining fight. Ech. Yeah, I agree. This was not entertaining at all. Uh, Ech. Exactly. I'm with you. Especially considering what happened in the first fight of the main card, which was between Jamie Malarkey and Michael Johnson. As Jamie Malarkey wins a split decision, 28-28. Two judges went for him. One judge went for Michael Johnson, 29-28. And this fight was entertaining. This was fight of night and deserved to because this was an entertaining fight back and forth. The controversy of this fight is the first round because the second round was definitely was on um, Jamie Malarkey's, and then the third round was Michael Johnson. I think you and I can agree. I think everyone can agree with that, right? Yes. The first rounds where it's like where people debate who won that round. At first, watching it live, I thought Michael Johnson won, but watching the first round again, I have to go with Jamie Malarkey because. Michael Johnson did drop Malarkey, but Johnson, he went for a, I don't know if he was going for a submission or what, but he didn't like do any follow-up shots where if he would have done it, he might have put away Jimmy Malarkey and not need judges in that round. If you go back and watch when Johnson dropped Malarkey, and then when Malarkey rocked, yeah, Malarkey did land like a couple of like follow-up shots 
uh, Michael Johnson, you know, Michael Johnson got up. And also, before the knockdown from Johnson, Markey was landing more shots than Johnson stand up as well. And when you consider all that in, I understand why the judges gave Malarkey the first round. And I understand why Malarkey won the fight. It's it's just that Michael, if Michael Johnson had just followed through with some of his shots, I think he would have knocked out Jamie Malarkey, finished him, and we wouldn't need judges. Looking back at it. Okay, you know what? All right. Wait. I don't want to take that away from Michael Johnson, the missed opportunity. Like, because he didn't cash in on an opportunity he created for himself, at the end of the day, he still created the opportunity. So I don't want to take away like him, because you're absolutely right. He kind of put his arm around Malarkey's neck like he was going for a rear naked, but never committed to the rear naked. Like, he just kind of tried to push Malarkey down so he could get on top of him and go for a ground and pound. If anything, like, uh, yeah, you're right. He could have put him away. But, I mean, I thought Michael Johnson won the first round. I thought, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't think Malarkey, he did throw a, a more of a pace than uh, uh, Johnson. But I don't think he landed cleaner. I think they just about were even on the strikes. And even when you take that into effect, like I thought, I felt like I felt like Johnson's uh, uh, like I don't know. They both got the I, I, like for me to judge the drops is I don't know, man. Ugh. They both dropped each other in that first round. I yeah, that first round entertaining. Like, I could, for, for me to be judging each drop, it feels nitpicky. I, I mean, this is definitely a contender for round of the year so far. I think maybe at the end of the year, we might look back at this round. Maybe, it depends. Maybe, but yeah. If so that far. is the case, look, if that is the case, I will say that would be a lackluster year because other than okay, them hey. two dropping, I'll, look, I'll say this other than them dropping each other, if the round persisted the way it did without the drops. Would that have been a contender for round of the year? No, and I'm, I'm just remembering that. I was, about to, I was about to say, any of the rounds between Yeri and Glover could be round of the year. Let's just be honest. That's what I'm about to say. Like this, I like, like that fight might be, uh, if anything, the, 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 the third or fourth round, you gotta be- decide between one of those two. The third I mean, or fourth like, round. I'm a contender, not like, oh, it's gonna win, but like something that people talk about. Oh yeah, that round was entertaining. That's what I was trying, that's what I was trying to say. Like, you know, something thing around the year, you, you mentioned rounds that you thought were entertaining. Like, this one will be, but definitely won't win it compared to Glover, Yuri, or, or any of the rounds. Look, like, look, look, the Yuri, the Yuri, a Glover fight, the fifth round could be considered the, the entertain, the most entertaining round of the year because Glover had the one up on Yuri. Right. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Yuri won 30, 30 seconds left. But, yeah, this is an entertaining round, like I said. And I, I feel like there's other rounds I'm forgetting that are entertaining that I'm just living through my mind. But, but yeah. But, but yeah, this is definitely an entertaining round. A very, And, like I said, it's probably the other rounds that are going to be better than this, obviously. They probably will be, especially with these up two cards coming up with with Long Island and London. I and think, other cards, I too. Think, like, Molly McCann and Luana Carolina, they might have a round going for them. I gotta, I gotta watch that fight again. I, I only remember the spinning back elbow. I'm forgetting everything else. 
Bro, no. I remember the first round, Molly was throwing bombs on Luana. Luana was dodging some of them and, and tag and countering Molly, but Molly was throwing bombs. And then the second round, like, uh, Luana got her rhythm back and she started showboating on Molly and tagging her up and this, that, whatever. And, yo, it, that was a great fight. Yeah. You know what? We're digressing right now. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're we are. We are. Yeah. This was a this was fight of the night, all in all. Michael Chandler versus Jamie Blanchard. Oh, excuse me. Chandler was giving us haymakers too, bro. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Chandler gave us a haymaker too, man. Oh man. And we just had a discussion before the show. Excuse me. Michael Johnson, Jamie Malarkey, fight of the night for this card. They deserve the bonus that they got. And this fight. Just the fact that the way it started off, this was the fight that started off the card, it saved the card in my honest opinion. I agree. It did. This saved the card because I, I was taught, because this was not the greatest card UFC put on. I mean, yeah, it ended spectacularly with the knockout of Fiziev and, Fiziev and um, Los Angeles, but it wasn't the greatest card in the world like, like Dan mentioned. And this fight definitely helped the card big time, how entertaining it was. Totally on the money with that, Dan. Yeah. But uh, all in all, um, we, um, we 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 tuned in for the card. Yeah. We tuned in. The main event was a great fight. Uh, we look forward to see what both fighters have. Michael uh, Michael Johnson, I, yo. Even though he lost this fight, he still came out a winner because we still want to see more of Michael Johnson. The resurgence yep. is there, man. I'm in, I'm excited for more Michael Johnson. Yeah, I, I am too. I agree with you there. And Kyle Barajo, I'm I'm excited to see more of him too. So, it, you know, just some prospects that came away from this uh, card that we're excited to see. You know, they, these guys have built their profile and built some anticipation for their next outing. Can't wait for that. As um, I want to, I want, I want to get into this card. Yeah, and uh, I do want to set out one fight in the prelims. That's I do want to set out Cody, um, Cody Brundage being a TKO victor or Trayson Gore. Trayson Gore, excuse me. Trayson Gore was a guy who definitely some people were high on, and, and Cody uh, Brundage just knocked him out in the first round. Especially some vicious ground and pound at the end, too. And it may have been the prelims. Very, a very, um, very good, great performance from um, Cody. One gave him a shout out. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. From there, we could. Uh, yeah, I want to move in right into this card because I'm excited for this one. UFC is on ABC, ladies and gentlemen. The UFC yep. is on ABC, ladies and gentlemen. The main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time zone. Early, it's early because ABC, which is kind of kind of odd, but hey, Saturday afternoon fights. Not you can't complain, especially cards this damn good. This is a great card. This is a great card. The main event for the card, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez in the featherweight division. Both of these guys coming off of losses to high caliber opponents. Yair coming off of a loss to Max Holloway. Brian coming off of a loss to Alexander Volkanovsky. Excuse me. And both of these guys high in the rankings, looking for a win over the other to help build their case to get into the ring 
with Volkanovski to contend for a title. I'm I'm excited for this, man. This is going to be a five-round war. Brian Ortega, I already know what he's going to bring. The mix between the striking and the grappling. Yair, the creative striking that he's going to provide in this matchup. I'm excited for this one. I am super excited for this main event. Me too. I am so excited, man. This this is gonna this is gonna be excellent. Both of these guys got great shins too. Both guys shins have been tested in fights and they have showcased it. I always say Mexicans have great shins and these two guys are Mexican. Obviously, yeah, you're from Mexico. Ortega from LA and and both guys are highly skilled too. I mean, Ortega is submission game. His he may have one of the best submission games in all of UFC. It's up there, Oliveira. It's up there with um, what's I'm forgetting someone. I had someone else in my mind. It's a great submission game too. But it's up there, Oliveira. Guys like that, etc. One of the best like submission games in all of MM, in all of UFC. Or Ortega, man. I mean, his nickname is T City because he's known for his triangle choke. And even though Wokanowski somehow escaped it, which is still one of the most impressive things Wokanowski's ever done, escape that triangle choke and drop, but. Yeah, I mean, triangle choke, triangle choke is if he puts you on. You're basically tapping unless you're Volkanovski for Brian Ortega. But he's also got other submissions too. He's got we've seen him win rear naked chokes. I seen him win with guillotines. I mean, he's got a lot of ways to win submissions. Also, he's got he also got a lot of power in his hands. He's not a bad striker. I mean, we saw a Korean Zombie where he dominated his Korean Zombie for five rounds in back in 2020. It was a mostly stand up fight. And he was able to win stand up exchange. And Yair Rodriguez. You mentioned creative striker. I mean, this guy is striking so damn creative. It's fun to watch. Like, I see him hit some moves, hit guys with like, like shots that I wouldn't expect from a fighter. Like crazy stuff too. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think it was him when he fought in the UFC 189, the McGregor Mendes card. We hit like a weird like, like a jump kick. It looked like it looked like a, in wrestling and you know, insecurity. It kind of looked like that almost. Where he hit his opponent with that. It was impressive. And Yair is, like I said, a very creative striker. Got some good grappling, too. Not, not a bad grappler in terms of, you know, surviving, you know, certain positions. But at the same time, you don't want to grapple with Brian Ortega either, considering how good his jiu-jitsu is. And this car, man, these two guys, they're going to deliver. I, I know these two are going to deliver. And Ortega's got power in his hands, but Yair is so, so creative, so good that if Ortega's not caref careful, Yair can crack him. And plus, I can't forget um, Yair's um, elbow knockout, Korean Zombie, back in 2018, UFC 25th anniversary show. Like one second left, remember he lands that elbow upward like this? Because I'm trying to demonstrate yep. for all you listeners what, how Yair um, finished the fight. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go on YouTube, find it. It's one of the greatest finishes you'll ever see in MMA history. And even though, he, especially considering Yair was losing that fight to Korean Zombie, he was about one second away from losing, he came back and won. And yeah, both guys very good, very good in their respective game. You know, scrappling for Ortega, but he's got good strike, not bad stand up, and very good power in his hands. The Yair's, you know, very great creative striker, very good on his speed, and also not bad grappling wise. And like you said, both guys kind of lost this to the two best featherweights in the world, Volkanovski for Ortega in the title fight, and Yair lost to Max Holloway back in November. So these are two elite featherweights in the world, probably two of the top four featherweights in all of MMA right now. And yeah. where it wins this fight, you know, it's closer to getting a title fight. I personally think if Yair can somehow finish Ortega, which I don't expect that. Let's just, I'm just gonna be honest with you. 
Let's say hypothetically he does. I guess see why Volkanovski next, considering he's never fought Volkanovski. He's in the top rankings. Potentially, potentially. I'm not saying it could, but it can. Some people might want to see that potentially. If Yair would finish Ortega, I could be wrong, but just a hunch I have. Nah, you're absolutely right. Anything could uh, go with this fight. And like Volkanovski asked, it seems like the division is getting their ish together. And they're, you know, finding the contenders. You know, the guys are, they're separating themselves. And we shall see how this goes. As uh, we move on from that fight to the co-main event. I'm excited for this one as well. Because both these ladies coming off of losses, they're going to be, they're going to be hungry for a victory. And not only that, I expect a lot of striking here in this fight. Michelle Watterson versus Amanda Lemos. Uh, what is this in the strawweight division? Yes, women's strawweight division. Women's strawweight both... division. So uh, Michelle Watterson is moving up to strawweight. I'm excuse no. me, moving down to strawweight. She, she wait, she fought flyweight. I thought she was strawweight. She flyweight. She was flyweight. Oh. No, no, you sure? No, I really? I thought she was a strawweight the whole time. I could have sworn. I got a Cause... flyweight here. Really? I. Nah, she's been a straw. You sure? I thought she's always been a straw weight. Her and Rose fought, remember, me and Vanna, but UFC oh, well, fought. That, oh, yeah, she, yeah, she's a straw weight, yeah. Okay. Uh, information I got, uh, um, yeah, all right. But, uh, yeah, well, this is going to be an uh, interesting fight, too. Uh, me, personally, I know Michelle Waterson. I haven't seen her since she lost. Like, when was it? That was, like, uh, a while ago. Last uh, year. Yep, last year against Marina uh, Rodriguez in a decision, and Marina's moved up the uh, ranking. She's a she's about to fight, uh, I believe, Andrade in, in Paris. Yes, no, um, Andrade's fighting Mion Fior in Paris. Mion Fior in Paris, that's right. Marina Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I'm trying to remember. She's scheduled. It will, no, that's Mackenzie Dern fighting Young Shion. It's not Rodriguez. She got no one. She, I think she she, she wants to tout fight against Carl Esparza or Rose Namuis. She wants one of those okay. two ladies. I mean, I... You're going to have to wait in line. Shangway Lee's right there, man. <laughs> well, she, she said Rose Namuis. Yes, it not. has to be Rose. It has to be Rose because Shangway Lee is next in line for the belt. That's it. I'm, yeah, I'm not taking it. But... I'm not taking anyone else for an answer. I agree. But, but yeah, but Michelle Watson fought since May of last year when she lost to Marina Rodriguez. And Michelle was supposed to fight, like, in December and I believe in March. But I forgot. Something happened with her where and she had to pull boss, out. Yeah. E-boss, yeah, that's right. Rebos. Um, I remember she said something happened to where she didn't take care of her. She it might end her career. I still don't know what that is. She still hasn't explained it. Maybe we'll find out this week in the media press conference and we'll interviews. Definitely what, find out what happened, but I'm glad she's able to fight. It's not too serious for her. And as like you mentioned, she's come up a loss to Rio Rodriguez, and Lemos has come up a loss to Jessica Andrade. For Andrade, Lynn is a standing um, he had standing no darts. Nope, standing triangle, uh, uh, arm triangle choke in the first round, I believe. Yeah, yes, you're right, and that was impressive. What a what an impressive victory for Jessica Andrade pulled off. But before that, Amanda Lemos had won five in a row and looked like a rising contender in the strawweight division. But Andrade is pretty damn good, and she's a former champ for a reason. And and also Michelle Larson is, is someone who's been in the game for a while. 
and is a striker mostly. You know, she's got a good amount of submissions as well. I believe she's got like, I think, let me see, six. No, I think she's got like, no, nine subs. She's, she's won a lot of fights via submission, but I don't know if Lemos is gonna, I think Lemos is working on her submission game. I don't think she's gonna catch Lemos with a submission. I lean towards Lemos in this fight. Although the age difference is Lemos only a year younger than Michelle Watson, but Michelle Watson has been fighting for a while, a lot longer it seems like, and has taken more damage than Amina Lemos. So I think that might play a factor is why I'm leaning towards Amina Lemos. But I would be surprised if Michelle Watson wins, not necessarily because I can see Michelle pulling out, you know, using veteran tricks to pull out, pull out victory, yeah, personally. But look, very competitive, fun fights for the co-main event this Long Island card in the strawweight division, which I've always said is the best women's division in all of MMA. I've been saying that, and I still say it, despite the title fight, how bad I was, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, but, like, I, I, me personally, I think this fight is going to be all about striking. I don't think... Um... Lemos may try and take it to the ground, uh, uh, second, third round, but I think this fight is going to be all about the striking, and I'm excited to see both these uh, lady, both these competitors strike, and who comes out on top, who's the better striker. I think Lemos has more power, but Waterson, if she can, prov- uh, you know, provide more creative striking, it'll be an interesting matchup. I agree. I was, I was about to break up the power of Lemos. Lemos got seven K on TKO victories. She's got more power in her hands. Well, you mentioned Morris Watson can have the creative striking. It could definitely favor her, and it could definitely lead to a decision victory for her. But yeah, I mean, great points you mentioned there, Dan. Uh, I'm excited for this fight. This fight should deliver. Like I said, this, this card's good. I'm excited for this Long Island card. Yeah. Uh, as we move on to the next fight on the main card, it's also interesting. Li Jang Liang, uh, uh, Li Jang Liang versus Muslim Salikov. I'm not familiar with Muslim Salikov. I'm not. I think I might have seen him fight before, but I'm not too familiar. I know he's 18 too. As I read the sheets here, he's got 12 KO TKOs, and and he's. I believe he's won. I think like three in a row. If I'm mistaken, let me check it. Yeah, he the last fight was against Francisco Trinaldo. It was a decision, but a lot of his fights well. He hasn't won. Uh, uh, he hasn't had a KO since 2019. Last couple of fights have been decisions, so he may be looking for, a, maybe looking for a finish here to boost his name back up into the, uh, into uh, the prospects and trying to get ranked. Right and right and Muslim Solikov has won five in a row. Like you mentioned, you mentioned he's, his last fight was a victory of Francisco Trinaldo back in June of last year. So it's been over a year since he's fought. He hasn't fought a lot recently. He hasn't been as active. He's only he's fought once in 2020, once in 2021. Not fine again. Maybe Kobe had something to do with it, restrictions potentially. But going against the Legion Lian, you mentioned Leech, who's come off that loss to Hamzat Chamaya back in Abu Dhabi in October. And Leech's got a lot of power in his hands. He's, he's very good, very good striker. He's got nine KO and TKOs, 18 7 record. He's ranked number 14 in the welterweight division. And I think this fight, I think the Leech is going to bounce back personally. I, I can see the Leech, you know, catching uh, Muslim Solkov and not, maybe not finishing him, but Rock, but laying the cleaner, crisper shots, maybe more heavier shots to where might, where Muslim can't really go off and really do, follow his, implement his game plan. I can see that where, especially considering the uh, Muslim hasn't won a fight since 2019, if he gets finished. 
he's been going to decision a lot of these fights, so I can see maybe I can see maybe the leech having more power or maybe being a quicker fighter and 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 landing more shots before Muslim can hurting him and basically basically winning via unanimous decision and just being the better striker in my opinion at this point, considering Muslim Solikov is thirty eight years old, I believe. Uh yeah, I believe so. He is Yeah, he's thirty eight. Thirty-eight. Yep. Right. Yeah, he's thirty-eight in leech. I know. In the leech is thirty-four. Now, granted, I don't think Muslim's taking a lot, so much, a lot of damage, but at the same, but at the same time, he's not being as active. Man, I can hurt him or I can benefit him, but I think the leech is just a, good, a bad matchup for Muslim Solikov. Unless proven wrong, but I'm going with the leech. Okay. Um. I once again, I ha- I don't remember seeing. Uh. Well, I don't remember Muslim Solikov. I don't. I don't have a recollection of this last fight in my mind right now, so I don't want to do too much of a, a judgment here. I'm 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 just gonna wait until the uh, fight comes up, and I, I'll be entertained there. As we move on from that fight to the next fight on the main card in the flyweight division, Matt Schnell versus Sumer Daji. Funny enough, man, it, <laughs> I think this is also gonna be held up in the striking zone because both these guys are very good grapplers. Yeah, yeah. Sumo G is definitely proven his grappling, his recent performances. Before that, was his weakness because his four losses were by submission. But he's he's worked on that ever since, and he's gotten better. To the, and and Matt Schnell, you mentioned, he's a grappler. He's got I believe eight submission victories. If I'm mistaken, was 15 victories. Yeah, eight, eight submission victories. Yes. And this is gonna be a striking matchup. And if it's gonna be a striking life matchup, I'm favoring uh. I, I, I'm, I don't think Matt Chanel has the has the advantage there because one thing about Matt Chanel is that he he's been knocked out before. He's been knocked out like three times, and I think with um, Su, uh, Sumer G, he's he's got 13 KO and TKO, so that tells you about the power of him. I think if he lands the right shot, he can knock out Matt Chanel personally. It seems not, this seems to be a bad matchup for uh, Mastrinel unless he can take unless he can take him down, which I don't know if he can. Cause they're much better. Uh, Sumer Daji, Daji, Daji is gone. Yeah, I agree with you there, hundred percent. I think this is Sumer Daji's fight to win slash to lose. He just has to be uh, he has to be on point with the grappling defense. But after that, I think he has way more power than Matt Snow. Matt Schnell is a bit longer than Sumer Daji, but I think Sumer Daji still, with that length, uh, with the length advantage that Matt Schnell does have, Sumer Daji is still the better striker to me. He looks cleaner when he's striking, and he also has um, a lot more power than Schnell. So, yeah, this is Sumer Daji's fight for me. Right, despite the layoff, because Sumer Daji hasn't, hasn't fought since last year. I believe January of last year? Let me see. Yes, it's January of last year. He hasn't fought, so... Maybe the ring rust, octagon rust, could hurt him, or, or maybe Simon Cruz, where he doesn't believe in, doesn't, and it wasn't affect him. We just, we shall see. But yeah, but I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, Sumer Daji. I think this is his fight to win or lose. That's a good point, especially with the power. And Mastrino has been knocked out several times, and it's been finished before. So, but Mash, but Mastrino could pull up the upset, in my opinion. Maybe get to the ground, maybe try to submit him there. Although Sumer Daji, like I say, his, his grappling defense has gone better. Yeah. 
as uh, we move on from that fight to the next fight on the main card. This one, I, I, I got fireworks plastered all over this one. This is potential fight of the night. I'm going to call it right now. Shane Burgos versus Charles Jordan. This I, I, I fight, agree. This fight I, of the night to me. This is fight of the night. If Ortega Yair is not fight of the night, this is fight of the night. This is fight of the night. This is fight of the night. I'm excited. For, um, I'm, I'm a little biased because I am a Hurricane Shane Burgos fan. He's from the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx. So I do have a little bias towards Shane. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, but I'm not, but I know Charles O'Dane is not exactly a pushover either. Charles O'Dane's won two in a row since losing to Julian Arosa. Although I think that fight, I am going to touch on that fight briefly. You know, Charles O'Dane's got eight CKO KOs and four subs. So most of his victories are by his finish. But I think Shane Burgos is, might be a little bit better fire at the moment. Considering Shane Burgos got a great chin. I mean, the only guy finishing was Edson Barbosa, that weird, like, delay finish last May. That, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, where his body just it took five seconds for him to fall. Like, some, mm-hmm. yeah. Other than that, he hasn't been, fin- I, I know, other than Calvin Carey did finish him, but that was after accumulated shots, and Calvin Carey, we all know, is really damn good. And so is Edson Raposa in terms of striking. I mean, Josh Emmett didn't pull him away, which is saying something considering Emmett's got power. And I don't know, I don't know if George, I know George Dane's got some power, but at the same time, he didn't put away Julian Rosa. And Julian Rosa has been knocked out five times, and Rosa ended up submitting him in that fight. So I do wonder if, if the power is going to be there where he can really hurt Shane and maybe finish him. And I'm not sure if that's the case. I think Shane's got the power, maybe. Seems like to be like the better striker of the two. Maybe arguably, I'm gonna say arguably because Charles Dane is pretty good. I don't want to disrespect him like that. But I think Shane's fought tougher competition. I think he's got just as much just as skill as Charles, not a little bit more skill. And Shane's got five submission victories as well. I know I'm pretty sure a lot of them are due to like you know him dropping his opponents and him going for submissions. I believe I'm mistaken, but still, he's got that working for him. And I think Shane Burgos will win this fight. He's fighting in Long Island, which I know it's not far from the Bronx. I know he lives in Monroe, New York now, which is upstate, but still. He's from the Bronx. He fought at Master Garden, did well there. I don't think the pressure's going to get to him fighting in his home region. Or or home, technically hometown, because I know Long Island's considered a sixth borough for some people. But yeah, I'm I, I got, I'm rocking with Shane Burgos. I'm trying not to be biased, because I am a Shane Burgos fan. Um, nah, that's fine. I, I'm a bit more of a Charles Jordan, Jordan fan, but everything you brought up, I can't, I can't disagree with that. And if uh, Burgos comes out winning this fight, I wouldn't be surprised based on what you said there, because, uh, you know, being a uh, Jordan fan, like you still see Burgos is like, man, that guy, he is a, a he is a tough combination to crack. That not a lot of people have found a way to crack that combination, and Burgos is. He is so like his his striking is so excellent. The way he gauges distance is so excellent. He was just he's another guy. He's another one of those guys that when you see him float dance in the ring, it's like, man, there was nothing else you could have done in life that would have made you more happy than being in this octagon because he's just such a natural at it. And like it's it's just gonna be fun. I think this is gonna be fireworks. Um. Burgos is the favorite to me, but at the same time, I'm just gonna have fun watching this one. I'm excited for this. I am too. Like I said, this this definitely has fight and night potential. 
you know, that I agree with you there. As we could transition from this fight to the first fight in the, of the main card in the women's flyweight division between Laura Murphy and Misha Tay. As Misha Tay moves down and waits, fighting flight for the first time. They were supposed to fight several times. I know they were supposed to fight in the pay-per-view two weeks ago, but something happened with Laura Murphy where she had to pull out and reschedule it for this card, which helps out the Long Island card because really it makes this card. Is it was card in name? You know, this card is already stacked as it is. Now it gets more stacked with more important fights considering we should taste fighting. You know, we're going to see her in the flyweight division first time ever. How is she going to look? Is she going to look the same? Is she going to have a strength advantage? It depends on her weight cut, in my opinion. Misha Tate is a great weight cut. I think she's going to be stronger than Laura Murphy. I think Misha is a better grappler than Laura Murphy. And I think if she can make this to a grappling fight, I think Misha could dominate and win this fight against Laura Murphy. If her weight cut, it goes well and she feels natural. If it's a bad weight cut, I think Laura Murphy will definitely beat uh, Misha Tate. But that's, you know, even though it's it's a lot of variables with the weight cut, but I think that's just my honest opinion. I think it's going to matter the weight cut for Misha considering she's never flown this weight before. Now I agree with you 100. Um, percent Misha has the advantage coming, you know, coming uh, down to weight, and then you know, fight night you actually get to. They're going to weigh you one more time, but there's nothing official. They're just getting your weight at the uh, night of the fight to see what it is and. She could end up being something of a weight bully that night. Plus, she's, uh, you know, she's a, she's a grappler. If there's anyone that I know that will throw around her weight in the ring if she's got the advantage and take advantage of that and be dominant in the grappling uh, 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 positions, it's Misha Tate. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Misha Tate's going to do in this fight. Yeah, so am I. Lauren Murphy's coming off the title loss to Valentina Shashenko. She hasn't fought since then. I, some of these I thought she fought after that, but she hasn't. So if Lauren can go out there and be a former champion, I mean, she's definitely right there in that flyweight title contention. Doesn't mean she'll fight Valentina next, but she's still not far off, basically. And being a former champion, Misha Tay, a legend, definitely. It's definitely great, be great for her career as for, if you're Lauren Murphy. And like I said, Lauren Murphy is more of a stand-up fighter considering... Based on watching her fight, she tends to win via stand-up. I don't see her usually do a lot of grappling in her fights. So, if you're Laura, you, hopefully she can stuff some of the takedowns that Misha take because she doesn't. I uh, she's not going to win, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she doesn't stuff it, and I think what it starts off with is forward pressure. I've noticed a lot of the grapplers in today's uh, uh, like you know the the matchups with the MMA fighters. They, some people think it, you know, it starts with the with the takedown defense. Me personally, I'm watching it. A lot of the time, it starts with the forward pressure. If you can negate a wrestler having that forward pressure, there is no back foot for them to kind of, you know, to shoot off of. The only time they could maybe catch you is in the middle of your own combination where they'll take a gamble in the midst of your swinging and shoot for that. But then that's a gamble where like, hey, if they don't duck correctly, it's good night, Irene. So I think if anything, you negate the forward pressure first, that'll be the key for you, you know, as far as like your striking flourishing throughout the night. I agree. Although Misha's striking at times is pretty good at times. She's been working on that, you know, even the end of her career, before she retired the first time, before she retired 2016, I should say rather, when she was, you know, again, fighting for the, when she was climbing her way back and, you know, when she won the world title, her striking was somewhat improving. And I think she's, I'm pretty sure she's trying to improve that striking. 
So, I mean, maybe, hopefully Misha can work on a strike and maybe negate what you mentioned, what Lauren Murphy should probably do. But we shall see. Because I think you're right about four pressure, taking that away from someone like Misha Tick could definitely help Lauren Murphy out big time. It's a very good point there. Yeah. Um, But that's, that's essentially the main card for UFC on ABC. Uh, after that, there's there's some great uh, uh, preliminary fights. Jack Shore is back, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Shore, sixteen to zero. He's facing Ricky Simone. That'll be an interesting fight to me. Oh, I'm surprised it's not in London, considering Jack Shore is from the UK. He's from Wales, which is in the UK. I'm, I'm like, I'm surprised it's not in and London. And he gets I'm, a pop. I'm... He gets a pop. The last time, the last London card, he was on that one, and he got a pop. But I guess he wants to fight again and really soon. So. If it's not the London card, he's going to fight here. Maybe if he doesn't take too much damage, he uh, bounces back really quick. Who knows? A lot of fighters I mean, are doing that. It's, cra- it's crazy. This guy, I mean, this, this is a, this, this, this should be on a um, main card somewhere. This fight's too damn good. Yeah, Ricky Simone, who's ranked number 11. Jack Shore ranked number 14 in the Bantamweight division. Jack Shore is undefeated. And Ricky Simone, I believe, is 19-3. and three. I mean, he's bounced, I mean, he's won, I believe, what, three in a row or four in a row? Something like that. I forget the win streak Ricky Simone's on. I'm trying to remember now. Uh, give me one moment. Four fight win streak. Four, oh, yeah, okay, I see it. It just pulled up now. The his win streak. He's four in a row. He's being Ray Borg. You know, Rafael Sunset, Ryan Kelleher. He definitely looks like a contender, especially with his power, especially with his striking too. I mean, I. I mean, I'm excited for this fight. This is this is going to be a, a great fight for the prelims. I mean, my goodness. Also, also, please tune in as early as possible and watch the first fight because if you watch the uh, the if you watch MMA Weekly with us on YouTube and you see the tune-in show, there's a special knockout that happens over at Invicta FC where a lady gets a right cross and then turns over into a head kick. That's Emily Ducat. And she will be making her UFC debut against Jessica Panning. Yeah. UFC on ABC, so I'm tuned in for that one as well myself. I yeah, I didn't know that until my dad told me earlier. I was like, oh really? Like, dang, that's a big I'm surprised no one's talking about that. That's a big deal. She got like a viral knockout, like you mentioned, right cross, throws her opponent, head kick, and just knockout. I mean, it's one of the best knockouts you ever see in women's MMA history or knockouts, period. Period. Yeah. It should make her debut against Jessica Penny, who's actually ranked number 14 in the UFC rankings, destroyed division. So if Emma if Emily Dukak can win Dukak can win this fight, she, she'd be in the rankings. She'd immediately be, be ranked. It'd be a big deal for her. This is a big opportunity. She's won three in a row to so look up her record and sure dog. So four making four in a row be a ranked opponent. I mean, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for her. So far, yeah. I mean, go, go, go look to her. Go look to Jessica Penny as well. Yeah, there's some other fighters here that uh, oh. very interesting to see. Well, go I ahead. Mentioning, I'm excited. Um, Phil Rowe against Abubakar Namarga Madoff, cousin of Habib. You know, I lo- you know, known as the gangsta. If you watch those videos of Habib and them, like, you know, in the in the training camp and IKA, known as the gangsta. Guy comes out gangsta paradise too, which I like as well. Living out that persona. I just got well. Shoot, I got. Oh man, we'll I'll, we'll find out because my information here on this page is wrong. But I'm being told that that fight is canceled. So I don't oh, know if, what? 
Oh no, don't you kidding me. See, see, it was canceled because I because I do want to mention another fighter in this card. I I'll mention Dustin Jacoby, who's a, who is a very talented light heavyweight, ranked number fifteen. Guys won I believe five no six in a row now, and it's a guy who fought in the UFC early on back like 11, 12 years ago when he was super young. Didn't go well. Went to kickboxing, had some success there, and then came back to MMA and has had a much better career and has done very well in MMA. Like I say, he's ranked now in the UFC light heavyweight division. And he's in the UFC, he's won his last one, two, three, four. He's won five of his last six. This, the one of those fights was a draw against Ian Kutalaba. It wasn't that he lost, it was a draw. He's, he, so, he's, so he hasn't lost in about six, seven, actually eight fights. I think his last eight fights, he's seven, zero, and one, the one being a draw. So, I mean, Dustin Jacoby is very talented fighter. Talented kickboxer too. Guy's got ten knockouts and TKOs with seventeen victories. So he's going against he's, he's going against Don Un Jung from in this and in, in this upcoming fight in the prelims too. Who Jung's fifteen and two, so he ain't no slouch either. Should be a fun fight. I don't think the fight's uh I don't think it's canceled. Oh, it may not be. It may not be. I think it's still on. Okay. Hopefully, because I because I do like his personality, Abu Bakar, the Margarita, the gangsta, big, and he's a good fighter too. He's sixteen, no, seventeen, three and one, I believe now his record. He won his last fight in Abu Dhabi, uh, and obviously trained with AKA Javier Mendez, a BB and his cousin. Like to see him, like to see him do well. I'm excited for that fight. Yeah, but all in all, I'm I'm excited for uh, this card, early card on ABC two nationally. So. A lot of these names, they're not the biggest names, but they got enough well-known names that people are going to tune in and watch this card. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. The main card to the 2 p.m. and ABC here in the United States, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. So if you're in the West Coast, it's morning fights, main card. But the excuse me, the prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. West Coast. So... You wake up morning, wake up early morning, you breakfast, eat breakfast while watching fights. Kind of cool to do this every once in a while. I, I like this. I, I don't mind this. I don't mind I'm, it either. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Like I said, it's car in Long Island U, at UBS Arena too. Not not far from New York City. So, I mean, damn. It's, oh, it's a great card. I'm ex- People in New York, Long Island, definitely been a great card for the UFC. I appreciate you see back in New York area for Mass Square Garden in November, I'm pretty sure. So if you can't make the Mass Square Garden one, you at least go to this card and have a great card. Have a oh yeah. Great card too. And speaking of great cards, I do want to mention this briefly before we end the show. Uh, last week it, it, we found out Darren Till's injured. I was fighting against Jack Hermanson, which was supposed to be the co-main event of next next week's card in London. And Chris Curtis stepping in. And Darren Till's place going against Jack Hermanson, the co-main event of the UFC London card. Want to mention that briefly? Sucks Darren Till got hurt. I mean, Darren Till's been unlucky. It seems like ever since he's gone to middleweights, either got injured or hasn't, or has lost some close fights. It's just like, damn man. I like Darren Till. I want to see him do well. Just hopefully he can avoid an injury bug and go out there and perform. Because when Darren Till is, you know, at his best, he's a really talented fighter, top level. Um, fighter from the UK, and also for Chris Curtis, it's a big opportunity for Chris Curtis. We'll talk more about it next week, obviously, but 
This is, this is what, his fifth fight since making his debut? Or, no, it's fourth fight since making his debut in November. I mean, this is... And I mean, he's you want to talk about, steady working. Yep. Yes, yeah, steady working. Perfect. If he could beat Jack Hermanson, which we'll talk about next week, more about it. My goodness. He wants to have a first year for a fighter. I mean, Chris Curtis might have won the best first years for a fighter that didn't win a championship ever. Yeah, it, it would be exciting. Like, just the meteoric rise he had because... He's not a guy, he does a lot of media and all, but um, he's been putting in the work consistently. Even the times that we don't see him in the, uh, you know, in the octagon, I've seen him corner a whole lot of fighters near the apex. So he's been, I'm guessing, staying at the apex, staying busy in front of the right people. And so he's able to capitalize on this opportunity, but we'll talk about it more so uh, uh, next week when that time comes. Uh, but from myself, um, thank you guys once again for the birthday wishes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and breaking down uh, MMA because this is what I love to do at the end of the day. Like today's my birthday. I would have rather be nowhere else but breaking down some MMA, breaking down some Knicks, breaking down sports generally. I'm a sports head and I love it. So thank you guys once again for this, man. Yeah, thank you guys for watching and listening to us. Whether it be watching us on YouTube or Rumble or listening to us on podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Reason that fan, etc. Appreciate the love, support you guys give us. We appreciate so much. We're very grateful. Me, Dan, and happy birthday to you, Chef Dan, once again. Hopefully, you have a great birthday. You know, enjoy, you know, whatever it is you do for your birthday, hopefully it's wonderful and you get a great cake as well, whether it be carved ice cream cake or a regular cake, whatever it is cake you like to eat. Uh, strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> that's pretty good. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Strawberry cheesecake. Imagine all the great bakeries in Brooklyn. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, oh, hopefully yeah. you have a great birthday as well. And thank you, everyone, for listening, watching us, supporting us. And don't forget to support the program. You know, donations would be great. great. You know, if you can donate through these links right here, we definitely appreciate it. Through the Cash App, etc. And thank and th- thank you guys for watching us and giving likes to our videos as well. We appreciate that as well. And look forward to next week to breaking down this exciting Long Island card, which I, I will deliver, and I, I think it will be a great card. And then we can't wait to break down the UFC's return to London at the historic card in March. I mean, back-to-back great cards. I mean, the last two cards have been iffy. These next two are going to be, I believe, going to be fan-freaking-tastic. I yeah. can't wait to break it down, watch it, and talk to you guys about it. I mean, I, I'm just, whew, let's go. And I do want to. I do also shout to Maria in the chat, wishing you happy birthday, um, Dan. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we appreciate appreciate you, Maria, and everyone else who watches, listens to us. And we'll see you guys next week. I'm Austin. This is the Birthday Boy Chef Dan. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, we are...